What if there was a different way to live and work? Beyond the hustle and hype. Beyond the never-ending race to get more, do more, be more. A way that's grounded, intuitive, intentional, and in line with your deepest, truest self. You're listening to Wellpreneur with me, your host, Amanda Cook. Together, we'll explore nature-based personal growth for high-achieving women. I invite you to plant your feet on the earth, slow down, tune in, and get ready to create a life of meaning and magic. Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's Wellpreneur podcast. This week, I'm speaking to a wellness entrepreneur who, man, I've known about her for years. Hers was actually one of the first wellness and food blogs that I read way back in the day when I was getting started as well. I'm talking today with Daria Rose from Summer Tomato and her most recent project, Foodist Kitchen. I totally loved connecting with Daria because she's got so much experience online from just, you know, starting as a PhD, actually, and then (laughs) transitioning from there and deciding what she wanted to do with her life and transitioning into a wellness blogger and an entrepreneur and her business evolving throughout these past, gosh, almost 10 years, which is really awesome. So I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. And I'd love it if you'd pop over to our Facebook group and let us know what you think about this episode. We're always in there every week talking about each episode and supporting each other and asking questions. And this episode would be an awesome one to talk about. So come over and find us in the Wellpreneur Wellness Marketing Mastermind Facebook group. Okay, no more announcements this week, but let's just jump right into this conversation with Daria Rose from Summer Tomato and Foodist Kitchen and definitely pop by and see us in the Facebook group so we can talk about what we learned. Hi, Daria. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Hey, Amanda. It's great to be here. So, Daria, I'm sure a lot of the Wellpreneurs out there listening are familiar with your work, especially Summer Tomato. I know that's a website that I used to follow back in the beginning of my wellness journey, too. I remember you from from way back then. So um, I think everyone will be <laughs> so happy to hear hear about what you're up to today and kind of how you've gotten to where you are. So, yeah, so thanks for being willing to talk with us. Yeah, you know, I forgot how long it's been. Gosh, (laughs) I think I launched in like 2009. I first started blogging in 2008. So yeah, it's been a while. So take us back. I love to get the backstory. Like, why did you get started blogging and and starting this online business? What were you doing at the time? and, And what encouraged you to start it? You know, it's such a random story. I was a graduate student. I thought I was going to be a research scientist in neuroscience. Uh, so which when you do that, you be, go, go on to do a postdoc and then you go on to be a professor. That's sort of the path, the academic path. And I was a couple years into my PhD program and I was just starting to get really disillusioned with the whole academic world. We were running out of money left and right because of the economy back in the day. And also, I just, I was like looking around and I was like, I don't know if I want to be these people when I grow up. <laughs> you know, I just like, I just didn't, I wasn't fitting in the way I thought I would. And that was kind of a bummer to me. And then on the other hand, I was always into fitness and health and specifically dieting though. Like I grew up in Southern California during the Baywatch era. And, you know, I always just was always struggling to be thinner. And at some point I realized that I had enough training in science that I didn't have to like rely on Cosmo and like weight loss books anymore that I could sort of figure it out on my own because everything I tried over the last 15 years was like a short-term fix that made me miserable and ultimately made it harder. 
I think, to, to get the body I wanted and to feel good about myself. And so I sort of went down this rabbit hole of learning about dieting. And I realized that everything I'd been doing was wrong. Everything I'd learned from the books was wrong. I realized that the thinnest people never diet, that dieting is, makes it easier to, is an easier way to gain weight than to lose weight, that real food is the answer, and that habits were better than restrictive, restricting like some sort of macronutrient like carbs or protein or fat. And so I decided to try this weird, it sounded so non-scientific, but it, but it was what the, the data was telling me. And I just, it was like a complete life transformation for me. So I was eating real like food with flavor for like the first time in my life. I was eating three meals a day for the first time in my life. I discovered, I mean, when I say my life, I mean like since I was 11, uh, I discovered the farmer's market and I started to cook. I discovered like the restaurant scene back then I lived in San Francisco and it was like incredible. And I was like, obviously this is all going to make me gain weight, but it's really awesome but I lost weight and I just like kept losing weight and I, I hit my goal weight and then I lost another seven pounds and I was like, what is going on? And so I just started thinking like, maybe I should go into another career. Like maybe I should get into this fitness stuff because I could tell people about this and like, they should know, like people should know this. Like every, everything, like the diet industry is trying to sell crappy products and they should be shopping at the farmer's market. Like this isn't, this isn't right. And so I just decided to start exploring other careers. And I was like, well, maybe I can be like a writer. Like I'm pretty good at writing. I studied literature for a while before I became a scientist. And, and you know, it's funny. And I, I found, I'd found Michael Pollan's work. You know, I was really inspired by that. And I found out that he was a professor at UC Berkeley, which is where I did my undergrad and was just right across the bay from UC San Francisco, where I was doing my PhD. And we didn't have like a journalism department because UC San Francisco is a, just a medical sciences graduate program. So I were graduate, like upper division plat, like program. So I, I actually emailed Michael Pollan, <laughs> like so ballsy. I just emailed Michael Pollan and I'm like, hey, I went to Berkeley once and we don't have, I'm like interested in journalism and writing now. And I don't have a department for that here at UCSF. Could I come talk to you? And he was like, <laughs> yo, yo girl, I'm busy. And I was like, he was like, I'm working on a book. He was working on um, food rules or something. And he was like, could you, he's like, try me back in six months. I was like, okay. Like set my timer. <laughs> I called him back in six months. I was like, you told me six months ago to call you. And he was like, okay, fine. So he agreed to meet with me, which was amazing. Oh my God, amazing. And Good for yeah, you. so I, I popped over to Berkeley and met with Michael Pollan. And he was like, here's the secret to be, uh, I was like, why would anyone take me seriously in this world? Like I'm a neuroscientist. What do I know about nutrition? I was like, I mean, I know, I know about nutrition. I've been like reading about this stuff for 20 years. And I was like, and I really think I can make a difference in the dieting world because mo nobody's talking about this stuff. Everybody's still talking about carbs. And he was like, you know, there's this funny thing where if you just start writing about something a lot, all of a sudden you're an expert. And I was like, oh, okay. So <laughs> I like go in and got a job at the UC San Francisco newspaper, which was, they were like, I was like, how am I going to get a job there? And they were like, oh my God, we die for writers. So I was like, okay. So I just started writing there. I quickly became an editor, got my own column because nobody else cared about doing anything at my tiny little school paper. And and then one day when we were in one of our newspaper meetings, I just like I went once a week to these meetings, somebody came in to talk to us about blogs. I had kind of heard what blogs were. They were kind of trending at the time, but I didn't really, I'd never really considered starting one. But then this guy was like, had a really popular blog and he was like selling his own like books through the blog. And I was like, that is super interesting. So I, you know, I got the idea in my head. And then one day I was like cruising around a bookstore. I have no idea why I was in a bookstore, but I was. And I found, you know, Darren Rouse, a uh, mm -hmm. pro blogger. Mm -hmm. I found his book and it was like, I make six figures blogging. And I was like, 
oh my God, that's my ticket out of academia. (laughs) (laughs) So I like bought this book. I bought Darren's book and I went home and I started Summer Tomato. And as soon as I like launched it, like the first day, I knew, I knew it was for me. I knew like it was better than journalism, like writing for newspapers because you get feedback. Like for me, that was like the big thing about the internet back then. It was like, people can actually talk to you. And um, so, yeah, I just started writing it, but I treated it because I had read the pro blogger book. I very much treated it from day one, like a professional business. Like I, even though I had no money, I hired a person to do my logo. I, I didn't have enough money to, for, to get somebody to do my whole site. So I like, I actually taught myself HTML and CSS and <laughs> made my first site mm-hmm. by myself. So I, but I, so I, but I put my, put myself on like a very rigorous blogging schedule. Like I was blogging Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And yeah, but by the time my, my thesis was done and I, I graduated, I, I had this whole other career. So I'm curious because I've got some friends that are in academia. Like, did you ever, it seems to me like when we've talked about career options and stuff, there's all this pressure coming from academia, like, oh, I couldn't do that because that's not serious enough or like, that's not, there's all this pressure to like do something appropriate with your PhD. Like, do you, did you feel that at all? Or were you just like, I need to get out of this world? Yeah, that's a really good question. I am kind of a freak in that I I was the first person in my family to go to college. And so my parents were already so proud of me that like, I mean, my dad kind of tried to talk me out of it, but he didn't know what he was talking about. And and I talked him out of that. And also, I for some reason, growing up, like I was never one of those people that cared a lot what other people thought. And so when, you know, like, what what does it mean that other people will like not think of me seriously? I'm like, I like looked at my own quality of life and I was like, I don't want to be in like these professors stay at in lab till like 9 p.m. every night and they never see their families. They make like no money. I was like, that is, and like, and like at that time, like jobs were so scarce. Like people, my friends that were graduating were having to move to cities that were very landlocked. And I, you know, I've already grown, always grown up on a close to the ocean. And like, I just couldn't imagine that. And I was like, this is not worth it to me. Like my quality of life. You know what? I'd also read, um, the four hour work week. Mm-hmm. And, and that helped me shift my perspective to why am I just like toiling for some future, you know, like that's the hierarchical like job progression and not just academia and like all fields is like this idea that you just keep advancing and you just keep advancing. And then one day you're respectable. And like there, that one day, like never really comes, you know, it's not like, that's not how it works. And I was like, why do I have to be tied to one place? All I really care about is freedom, being creative and like having enough money to be happy. Like why, like, why do I care what, like, if these people think, take me seriously or not? Like, I'm, as long as I'm not doing anything that I personally don't feel has integrity, I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. What's the first thing you sold? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm, like, taking you back through all the really embarrassing stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, no, this is super embarrassing. Um, So, I mean, I first put ads on my site, like, AdSense, and I was making, what, 10 cents a day. That was stupid. And then I... What did I do? You know, I think the first thing I sold was my book. I mean, I pretty much wasn't making money. The sec- the first thing I did when I graduated was I, I started getting book deals, like book um, well, uh, agents started reaching out to me. And yeah, so then I instantly started working on a book proposal. And I had like no money in savings, but like a little bit of money in savings. So I like took three months off and like got down. I got down to like, gosh, like $400. Like it was going to get scary. I had student loan payments coming up. I had rent payments coming up. And like, I got my book deal signed and got that check. And so that was kind of, that was kind of awesome because that gave me a couple of years of leeway to 
Because, you know, every time, like, you know, when I try to, like, would work with, like, you know, I know a lot of bloggers do, like, sponsored posts and things like that. And I just didn't feel comfortable doing any of that. So as to your point earlier about, you know, what if these people don't take you seriously? It's like, well, and I said, well, the only thing that matters to me is if I take me seriously. And from what I'm doing, advising people in their health, like, I don't feel like I can take, like, sponsorships, really. Like, I'm not going to promote someone else's supplement or product. I mean, for the most part, like I'm, I've done like three of those in my career and it's only because I, it's never for the money. It's only, always because it's like a product I really, really think people should know about. And so I just, that was like not a viable source of income for me. So I really needed like something a little more, basically, basically I can only sell my own stuff. It's the only thing that seems like integrity, it has integrity, I think. So was there a time during this journey, especially when you weren't making any money or where it was just getting going that you just, you started really doubting what you were doing or you just felt like I have to do this? Oh, I st- I mean, both all the time <laughs> right now. <laughs> At this very moment, I'm conflicted. <laughs> yeah, always. I mean, because it's like, it's always a struggle. I mean, yeah, there was a time. So after my book came out and I was like, well, I need like a, a normal income. Like I can't just like, like this money is going to run out at some point. I started a, a, like a paid newsletter. It was like $3.99 a month or something. And I, I, I had enough awesome fans that like a few of them like supported me probably out of pity. Um, and, but then I like, I just, that was silly too. Like I just, yeah, I'm like, why am I doing this? Like if I, cause I, yeah, there was definitely like multiple times where I was like, if I can't make this like pay me, I need to do something else. And it's kind of actually terrifying if you have a PhD in a science because, I mean, you know what I'm qualified for? Like taking care of mice and like, like freezing their brains and looking at them under a microscope. <laughs> like, I was like, I, I can't even work at Starbucks. Like, <laughs> you know, so I felt like, you know, even though I have like all these like qualifications in on paper and like, I know I'm not dumb. Like I know I can like, I'm a good thinker, but like, I can't, like I didn't have any like particular skills in anything other than like writing and science. So so what do you do in times like that to kind of get yourself out of it? Because you can't really, you either let yourself wallow or you need to like, you know, kick yourself and get out of it. So what, how do you handle that? What have you done that works? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I just, I'm, I always have the mindset of just like edu- keep educating yourself and keep trying things. So until like something runs out and nothing's ever run out and it's been like almost 10 years. <laughs> so I, one of the first things I did was I kept investing in myself. So I would, um, I would take programs. So I signed up for, I, te- I signed up for some media coaching. That was actually really cool. Cause that gave me, cause I was really shy in front of the camera. I mean, I still am, I still get really nervous, but at least I know what I'm doing now. And so it, co- it comes off better. <laughs> and so I, like, after my book came out, I did a, you know, creative live. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I did like a creative live class I did, which was like, it was like a three day live events where people like, they can watch it live for free, but then they have to pay like $99 to get the whole program. And that was crazy. But like that gave me, made me a little bit of money. And then I mean, I did another one with a company called Curious and that made me a little money, you know, and it was just like, I was just like patching together these little things. And until I found, um, I ended up finding um, Ramit Sethi's work and, mm-hmm. and I signed up for his Zero to Launch program. I think I was in one of the first batches of Zero to Launch students and that helped me develop my program that I have now. And now it's like, now I just have a steady income, which is great. So is that was that really the turning point for you, getting your program created? Yes, <laughs> that was like, that's definitely like a real source of income. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing all that because I think, you know, first of all, like the environment of blogging and online is really different in 2009 than it is today. I think it, well, you can tell me what you think, but 
like I also started a natural beauty blog back around then, and it was much easier to get readers because there was less competition. Whereas now everybody's talking about this stuff, right? Like there's so many people are blogging about wellness and there's a lot of competition with digital products too. And I think a lot of people see this idea of like passive income or I'll just go online and like make an ebook and I'm going to be make six figures like just by pressing a button. And it's not, it's not really like that actually. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. No, it's definitely not. It's funny. It's like, it's not passive, but it's like, and I've worked my butt off, but I've never like, like, I know that what I'm doing is so different from what almost everyone else is doing. Like, I see the stuff everyone else is doing and it's crap. You know, it's like, for the most part, like, I'm not impressed. So I, I don't, I don't stress out about stuff like that. I have my, I don't have, you know, it's like, I feel like I have my readers and, and like, they, I don't know. I feel like I, I, I give enough to them that like, I'm, I'm not worried about if somebody else is making more money than me or has a more trendy product than me. Like, all I care about is that my stuff works and that, people get value out of it. And I don't really care about the fancier stuff. Mm -hmm. I love this about you that you're, it seems like you're really self-directed. Like you just know what you want to do. And as long as you're happy with it, it's fine. You're not like always looking for external approval, which I think is something like a lot of wellpreneurs really fall into this comparison trap of like always comparing themselves to where everybody else is. And I think that just leads to a lot of misery a lot of times. Yeah. I feel like when I was first starting out, I did that a little bit just because I wanted to know what the benchmarks were. Like, I was like, is this, am I like kidding myself? So like, there's a certain, and I, and I still feel sometimes like, you know, there there are definitely people a lot more famous than me and doing a lot better than me. And like, I, I know that, like, I feel that sometimes, but it still doesn't change me from my mission. And like, if they don't have the same mission, that's actually, I use it as inspiration. You know, I'm like, well you're doing, you do you, and that's great. And like, I have something to offer too. So that just means that there's more room for me to grow. How do you find out, because you mentioned about your audience and you know, they're like, they're fans. And and as long as you're providing programs that serve them and get results, you feel good about it. So I'm curious, how do you like stay in tune with what they want? How do you know what it is that, that your people need? I ask them. So simple. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, um, I email them. And sometimes I just, I'll add, you know, I know like I figure like the people reading my stuff, opening emails, clicking on emails like going through them, like those people will give me, those people are honest like, and they, they're not, they're nice, but also they're real. And if I have like, and if, for, like if I'm thinking about offering a specific program, I'll do, you know, I'll schedule like 20 phone calls with people and ask and just interview them about their opinions on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seriously. I think we can way overcomplicate it, but if you just ask people... Not yeah, and I don't try to make it all automated and weird. Like people, like people aren't going to be like one out of three hundred thousand people is a weirdo, <laughs> in my experience. But like for the most part, everybody's really cool and helpful, and happy to share their feedback. Totally. So I knew about you through Summer Tomato, but you know, as I was kind of looking at what you're doing currently for this interview, I came across Foodist Kitchen, and so I open up foodistkitchen.com, and the headline it's like this headline that hits you in the face and it's learn to cook without recipes in 30 days. I was like, that is so, that's such awesome copywriting (laughs) because, thank you. Because it just, it just says what it is. It's so clear. I think sometimes like in wellness, we could get, especially, oh my gosh, I see this all the time, especially when people are getting more holistic is like, oh, I'm going to empower you to thrive and be like all this really super vague (laughs) language. 
And nobody, which is true, like you're going to empower them and inspire them to be vibrant and all that stuff. But like nobody but no one knows, knows what, what that, that means. Is. Yeah. What does that right. mean? And so I love this. Learn to cook without recipes in 30 days. Like who doesn't want that? Well, if you don't know how to cook, you would want that. You know, it's just so it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's the scientist in me. I like I don't I have no patience for vagueness. And also that also came from, by the way, it also comes from having interviewed like 20 people about, or maybe 50 people about that. At that point, when I was writing the copy for that program, yeah, I'd probably interview like 50 people, people who don't cook, people who do cook. And I really got down to the fact, the, the key, the critical moment, the critical difference was whether or not they use recipes. And the people who rely on recipes hate cooking <laughs> for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, not baking. Baking, you need a recipe, but yeah. for the most part. But, you know, the people who cook healthy food regularly, they're able to walk into the kitchen, open up the fridge, open up their pantry and be like, sure, I can throw something together from what I have here. And there's, there's a confidence. And the, the key is that they don't, they feel confident about not having to use a recipe to be able to throw something together. Whereas people who are trying to learn to cook, they're always going online, trying to find a recipe. Oh my if gosh. they don't have one yes. or two of the ingredients, yes, they, they don't like make throw it. their hands up yeah. or they, they get all the ingredients. They go to the store, they come home, they've got all this like extra yep like coriander <laughs> or whatever, they put it together, but because they don't really know how to chop their, their, their foods all different, cooked at different levels, they don't really know how to season. So if they follow the recipe exactly, but it says season to taste and they, it needs salt or it needs a squeeze of lemon and they don't know that because they don't have the experience in the kitchen, it turned out bad. They probably cooked a recipe to, for four to six people and then they have like crappy leftovers mm-hmm. for, <laughs> for the rest of the week and they're like, this sucks. I'm never doing this again. You know, it just turns out to be a terrible experience for them. And, and I realized that the recipe was the key. So that's why that copy is so clear was because I was very clear on what would help them. I love it. Awesome. And thank you for providing that service because I've seen that so much among friends and people I know that like if they, yeah, exactly what you said. Like if they don't have one ingredient, they don't cook the thing or they just have a really bad experience. So I think that's such a huge key to wellness. So I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about like being a well entrepreneur. And I'm curious if you can share a little bit about your like your personal habits. Do you have a morning routine? What's your workday look like? How do you make sure that you're you know performing at your best? So (laughs) this is what I I, it's okay. You can give us the unvarnished. You know, I know it's not perfect. It's it's always a work in progress, right? But. Yeah, but no, this is my whole thing. So I'm I've like created. This is why I love being a wellpreneur (laughs) because I feel like, like a lot of people feel guilty, like taking care of themselves. I'm like, this is my job. (laughs) I have to do, I have to practice what I preach. And also the fact that I can, you know, I have the freedom to work anywhere in the world at my own pace. If I'm like, for instance, this is kind of a sad example, but just as an example, like my father passed away this summer and I, we were really close and I was heartbreaking and I didn't have anybody telling me I had to go back to work. You know, I just took three months off. And like the fact that I can do that is really amazing. And I don't feel yeah. guilty guilty about it at all. And so basically I have just created a a structure around my life that is based on kind of what I was saying with my business. Like it's based on my values. Like I want to have a successful business, obviously, but it's more important to me that I am happy. So, so or like, you know, thriving in my life, taking care of the my loved ones, eating well, I, I work out. So basically I wake up in the morning, I have coffee, I have breakfast. I, ideally I meditate. 
uh, at least five or six days a week, ideally first thing in the morning. That doesn't always happen depending on my schedule, like today, because <laughs> you're in Hong Kong. Um, but then I, I, I do my work. I have sort of my, my schedule and I, I only usually have one or two major things I need to do in a day. And, you know, I make sure I get in my workout. I take my dog to the park. I like to cook dinner. And in the evening, I don't really work. I spend, spend it with my husband. So it's pretty straightforward. Cool. No, that sounds really good. And um, I feel really good, glad that I have the freedom to do that. But it's but it's, it's not like it doesn't just come for free when you have when you work from home. Like you have to fight for those slots and those times for yourself. Totally, because it's and so it, easy to just be like, oh, I'll just check my email before, or I'll just check in like with whatever on the internet before I get started on my day. And suddenly, like you know, an hour or two is gone, and you've missed your whole morning routine. So. Yeah, or like, or say yes to everything that people mm-hmm. email you about. Like I just I delete. 90% of the emails I get without response because I'm like, you clearly didn't do your homework. You're wasting my time. Delete. Like, I don't need to respond to you. I don't owe you anything. <laughs> What's your team look like these days? My team is pretty... They're, they're just like remote contractors that are distributed around the globe. They're awesome. I've got a... Let's see, what do I have? I have somebody who helps me with my website. I have somebody who helps me edit podcasts. I have somebody who... I have like a design people I work with. I have somebody who helps me with my links. I used to have a recipe developer, but she's a bestseller. Everybody should go get Elise Kopecki's book, Run Fast, Eat Slow. She just had a cookbook came out and she's still on her book tour. And, and I think she's like moving on to bigger and better things. But yeah, they're just, they're, they're all awesome and I love them. And it's, it's hard to find good people, but once you do, hold on to them and pay them well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. So if you were going to go back and talk to yourself, you know, when you were first getting started and, and setting up your website and just starting to blog, what advice would you give yourself? I think probably if there was one thing I wasted a lot of time on that I wish I hadn't wasted my time on, it's trying to think that maybe I could work with somebody else to make it a business. And the whole evolution into selling products, that your own products that you created yourself, like I wish I would have done that earlier because they're hard to, like it's hard to create a good product, especially if you don't want to, I don't want a big team. Like I want to kind of stay lean because I travel a lot. So, but I would have started that stuff earlier. I like, I would have created Buddhist Kitchen a long time ago, but I just created it like a year and a half ago. What do you think? Would you mind sharing? Like what, what do you think stopped you doing that? Or what were you waiting for to create it? I didn't know it was an option. Like I didn't know people were doing that. This is one of the problems with not caring what other people are doing is sometimes everybody's like, you missed the boat. (laughs) But, but but it's fine. It, It worked out when it worked out. So I'm glad. Awesome. So you must get, you must like see, and maybe you don't pay attention because you're, you know, like you said, you're like, your eyes are on your own where you're going. But for a lot of the wellpreneurs listening, there's like health coaches and yoga teachers and personal trainers and nutritionists and really like this idea of building a tribe online and starting to be able to offer programs online so that they can be really flexible and travel and, and have that, you know, that type of freedom in their lives. So I don't know, do you have any you know, looking at starting something like that now, do you have any like kind of advice or tips or guidance for them? I think the biggest thing, actually, one of the problems that I see on a lot of, especially newer blogs, because a lot of people email me and they want a guest post or whatever. I think one of the biggest things that's, that is a big turnoff for attracting readers is when you're, you act like a know-it-all, like when you're arrogant or not arrogant, but like, I have the answers. I have the answers. You just need to do this. It's like, no, you don't. <laughs> like, like you, you have ideas and you have theories and you have stories, but you have to be super honest with your audience about what works and what doesn't work. And more importantly, you have to listen to them. 
when they write to you and say, that doesn't work for me, like that works for you, don't tell them why they're wrong. Listen and really address that and get to the bottom. And it's not going to be a simple answer. Like it's easy to like have a reflex like, well, well, if you just started eating more protein, then you wouldn't be so hungry at night. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, like listen to what they're actually saying because it's way, it's, this is human behavior. It's way more complicated than like whatever you learned in nutrition class. And if you listen to that and your audience knows you listen to that and you reflect that back to them and are compassionate with them and give them real talk, like real talk, real answers, they will respect you and they will like go to the ends of the earth to like fight for you. And you know, that's the thing. It's like, I don't, I don't feel like I have the biggest audience in the world, but like, they're so like, I feel like they're like my family, you know, we're, we're, we're homies. And I think that comes from that honesty. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I think I know there's this pressure that especially new people just getting started, just getting out of school and starting their businesses, they feel this pressure, like they have to be the expert, you know? And there's this balance, I think, between being the expert and sharing information that can help people and, and, you know, programs that can help people, but also not being the know-it-all. And I, I guess that just takes time to find that balance for yourself and and yeah. just being willing to be open about the fact that you don't know everything it makes actually makes you more approachable it makes you more approachable it also makes you the expert like if you listen enough you start to hear patterns that's why i picked up the cooking thing like i i like honestly i i don't care about cooking i'm not a chef <laughs> like i don't like my goal in life wasn't to like get people to like make lasagna or make stir fried cauliflower or whatever. Like my goal in life is to get people healthy. And I just, I heard over and over again, like people who are struggling, they weren't cooking. And I was like, okay, fine. I have to create a project around cooking. And then I listened even further and learned that the recipe was the bottleneck. And that like, that's, that's like, you just have to like that. And then suddenly you can create something that's like totally different. Like everybody, like there's cooking classes out there and they're great for foodies. Like that's not my audience problem. My audience problem is like these people need to be able to cook fast, good, healthy food every day. And that's mm-hmm. a different problem than be able, being able to like make Coca Vaughn on Sunday afternoon for your family. Mm-hmm. Totally. So, you know, so like, yeah, it's really important to listen. So you've been blogging and writing about this for, like you said, almost a decade now. And, you know, one thing that I found is that like as my personal knowledge evolves, maybe I get bored talking about the beginner stuff because I've moved on. You know, I'm like at this different point. And the stuff that I find interesting now is different than what I found interesting five years ago. Like, do you ever run into that where you want to write about stuff or talk about stuff or teach stuff that like just isn't really a fit with your audience? Or are you still totally, it's just okay. Like you're happy. Oh my gosh. If you read Summer Tomato from 2007, 2000, or not 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, like those first four or five years. It's all real food, farmers markets, recipes. I, I I don't write about any of that stuff anymore, at all. Like I write about behavior change, motivation, psychology, and I just brought my audience along with me. And if I have to, like, you know, it, it's interesting. Like, well, I just use my old articles as like reference. So I'm like, oh, okay, so you need to be able to, like, you need to eat real food. Here, if you want to know why, read this old article. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like once you're on board, come back and we'll talk about like how you implement that because right now that's what's interesting to me. Totally. That's awesome. And I guess the point is if you have people, when you, when you have an audience and they know you and like you and trust you, then some of them, most of them hopefully will want to come along on that journey as you're evolving. Yeah. And, and the nice thing about the internet is you don't have to like rewrite the same stuff. Like you can evolve like that. That's allowed because there's links. 
Yeah. Thank like God within the article. to old stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. This has been so great chatting with you. Can you let people know like where they can find you if they want to get in touch or of course take your foodist program? Yeah, absolutely. So I think Summer Tomato is the best place to find everything for me, my blog, my, my, if you sign up for my newsletter, you'll get a free chapter from my book. You'll get, you'll, you'll start getting updates about the program and also about my podcast. Since these are podcast listeners, if you guys are into podcasts, I have a podcast as well. It's called Foodist and it's really fun. You should come check it out. Awesome. And we'll link up all that in the show notes so people can get to it really easily. So Daria, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Absolutely, Amanda. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur Podcast. As always, you can get more information in the show notes, which is available at wellpreneuronline.com slash blog. And also probably the best place to connect is to come over to our Facebook group and you can talk about the episodes and connect with other Wellpreneurs there. There's no reason to do this alone. You're not alone. There are thousands, tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of Wellpreneurs out in the world and they want to meet you. So come over and meet us, hang out with us, and let's make our businesses happen. Okay, have a fabulous week, guys, and I'll see you back here next week in the next episode.